What's up, everybody? This is Connor. Um, yeah, so I got cut off about five minutes into like a 30-minute episode. Didn't realize it till I was done recording. Um, yeah, so there's a little bit of an audio change in terms of quality. Didn't realize that the second time I started recording, it picked up my AC. All in all, kind of a shit show of an episode. Definitely our shortest, uh, but I appreciate you guys still, still tuning in and, and giving us a listen. So enjoy the show. everybody welcome back to the churn this is a fantasy football podcast where we churn through the fantasy football headlines so you don't have to today is friday august 27th and i'm clearly doing a solo show tonight is due to some scheduling conflicts joe and i were not able to get on the mic together to record this episode for you guys Uh, we're going to keep this uh, episode pretty quick straight to the point just kind of going to rattle through some news, uh, news and notes out of training camp as we're starting to see some big movement going on as we're heading into week three now of the preseason. We're starting to see some starter decisions made as well as some unfortunate injuries. Um, so I'm going to take you through some of these and kind of get you guys all prepared for the fantasy season, let you know what everything means. So up first, I think the biggest news is that Jameis is pretty much going to be the quarterback one for the Saints. Um, he's going to be starting for them. And that's huge news. Um, I know personally, like myself, I was very, very worried about having any Saints players this year. If Taysom was going to be the starter, frankly, he's not a good quarterback. He's a good football player, not a good quarterback at all. He can't make basic throws. And if you missed the highlights from this, uh, from Jameis's game, he went nine of ten, uh, threw two touchdowns, threw two beautiful, beautiful touchdowns to Marquez Callaway, who we'll we'll hit on after this. Um, but those two throws he made on those touchdowns were better than any throw I've seen uh, Taysom make in the NFL. So if you miss those, go back, watch them. They were a thing of beauty, and it really shows you kind of the upside that Jameis brings to this offense. No Michael Thomas. Uh, probably doesn't really matter right now. Um, doesn't really matter who they're throwing to. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders gone as well. It sounds like Marquez Callaway is kind of the guy to own as a pass catcher um, in New Orleans. Callaway right now is a very unique case. Um, he kind of burst on the scene last year a little bit. If you're in deeper dynasty leagues, like he may have been rostered. I know I rostered him and then had to make some tough roster decisions and I ended up cutting him, but he's a guy who is really looking like he's going to take that next step this year. He's been lighting up training camp and right now, I mean, he's still a bit of a value um, according to ESPN and their rankings, but I'll be honest, he's probably going to start skyrocketing up in ADP. Right now, ESPN has him as the number 54 wide receiver going behind guys like Devontae Parker, Cole Beasley, uh, Michael Pittman, um, and going off the board at 120 overall. Callaway right now, I I don't know where to properly value him. Um, I would definitely take him before that. Like I'm looking here, like I would maybe put him around like the wide receiver like, if I'm taking him or Michael Thomas right now in my drafts, I think I would take Callaway before I take Michael Thomas. I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't know if I'm overreacting to a couple nice throws, but there's been a lot of chatter coming out of Saints training camp that 
This kid's been balling out. And, I mean, he's showing it on the field. This is a couple straight weeks now where he has been really lighting it up. Um, so I think that's a guy who you need to take training camp notes with a grain of salt. But every year there's always a couple guys who you'll hear these rumblings, hey, he's going to take the next step. You're going to start to see him do big things. And you'll see them put it together also on the preseason games. And I think that this year it's Marquez Callaway. He hits me as that guy who's going to really, really burst onto the scene this year. Um, so definitely a guy to keep in mind. Obviously, Kamara, I think this helps Kamara getting Jameis. I know Jameis doesn't throw a ton to running backs, but he has not had a player the caliber of Kamara. Um, and obviously, with, with no Michael Thomas, and as much as I love Marquez Callaway right now, I mean, he's not. He's no Michael Thomas when he's out there. So I think right now you can feel a little bit better about drafting Kamara. I know for me, I, I feel a little bit more at ease taking him um joe and i have talked about this a lot he's a lot higher on Kamara than i am personally for me i just don't i I didn't really know how to judge this saints offense um but yeah so that's it for the saints Jameis looking like he's gonna be the starter um but teddy has already been announced a starter for the broncos teddy bridgewater that is he was announced as a starter over drew lock which this one was a little little surprising to me I, I wasn't fully expecting them to just say, not not throw Drew Locke to the side, but just go with Teddy. Just because I think Teddy is a safer player. Now, when you have a team like the Broncos, you have a defensive-minded head coach, you have a very good defense, you have a good running game now, you got Javante Williams, you also have Melvin Gordon. Does Vic Fangio, does he just want to play it safe and just win games playing defense, running the ball? A guy like Teddy is perfect to be running this offense for Vic Fangio. It's exactly what he's looking for. Just playing it safe. Not really going to play you out of games like Locke sometimes will do. You're not going to see as many boneheaded turnovers. Now Locke can make a bunch of big-time throws. Really, really push the ball downfield and really get the most out of his skill position, guys. So... Obviously, with a guy like Teddy, I'm very excited for Jerry Judy because I know that he he has shown that he can support a few good uh, fantasy wide receivers. He did it last year. DJ Moore was solid. Curtis Samuel was pretty good. Robbie Anderson was pretty good. He supported Michael Thomas in his year when he broke the receptions record. So, look, Teddy, not the end of the world for any of these guys with Teddy starting. What you will know, too, is you're going to be better week to week. Now... I do think that this hurts Sutton a little bit just because we've seen that Locke will force the ball to Sutton. That's what he did two years ago when he took over, and that's when Sutton really, really exploded onto the scene. Now, obviously, he's also a year removed from a torn ACL, and reports are that he has not been looking great in training camp. A guy like Sutton, I'm I'm probably not going to have on any of my teams this year in redraft unless it's like a crazy value where we're talking like double-digit rounds maybe, uh, maybe a little bit before them, but you guys get my point. So Sutton is a guy who, I, who I'm looking to stay away from actively. Judy, I will actively chase after and am taking. Honestly, if he's my wide receiver three, I'm I am ecstatic. If I'm going running back, tight end, quarterback early, if he's my wide receiver two, uh, I'm okay with that as well. Judy's a guy who I'm very very high on. We see it every single year with these second year players, especially wide receiver. They always will break out, especially when they're going in the mid round of drafts. And right now, I mean. You got Judy, you have Lamb, you have Ayuk, you have uh, Claypool. I think most of those guys, I I feel very, very good on everyone there except for Claypool. Claypool is its own situation. I just don't love Big Ben. I, I don't know how to feel about him going into the season. I don't know. 
how much he could really improve going into this like what is he 38 now at this point like I, I don't know we just don't see a ton of change in how guys play and just their actual arm strength so Claypool is a beast I'm just a little bit more hesitant on him and would much rather be taking Judy they're going around the same price next up we got some pretty upsetting news out of Jaguars training camp Travis Etienne has has to go into surgery for Liz Frank injury this is obviously not ideal, not great. Um, this is not devastating. It's not as bad as Cam Akers with the Achilles tear. However, this is still pretty bad. Um, he's out for the whole season. I mean, he'll be fully recovered going into next year. Now, there isn't a long history of players with this type of injury who had it severe enough where it required surgery. Um, in the past, it hasn't been great. However, a lot of those guys were a little bit older and... Obviously, medical technology has, has come a long way from um, where some of these guys were. So, yeah, dynasty-wise, I'm not necessarily looking to sell. Obviously, when you're talking redraft, I mean, this is huge for James Robinson. He was obviously a superstar last year. If you had him, you knew that he pretty much he didn't come out of nowhere, but you picked him up off of waivers or you drafted him in the later rounds of your drafts. He ended up starting and was in your lineup every single week um it's not often that you can find guys like that and that's obviously huge um now that we have a little bit more clarity on that running back room so yeah like last year he finishes the running back seven like that's insane I'm, i don't think he will finish that high again however right now when you're looking at espn adp he's going off the board as the running back 15 just behind clyde edwards elair joe mixon and Najee harris now, I would not take J-Rob over any of those guys. However, I do really agree with where he's going. He's currently going off the board, 30th overall. So you're talking late second, early third round pick, which to me, I, I would feel pretty good about taking him there. If he is your running back two, running back three, even if you're going running back, running back, running back, or if you're a guy who's said, hey, you know, I'm going McCaffrey, I'm going Dalvin, I'm going Kamara. You come back around, you're like, you know what? I have Kelsey on the board, Waller on the board. Let me grab that, come back around, and then you're walking away with James Robinson. I would feel very, very confident in that start. I like him a lot this year. Again, I don't think he's going to finish as a running back seven. Again, I just he's not going to get that same volume that he did last year. He got crazy amount of snaps, crazy amount of touches, just because they were so bad. Um, but... It is nice to kind of have a little bit more clarity in here. And if you drafted earlier in the season and you took James Robinson as a value, good for you. Congrats. That, that's awesome. Obviously, you're not celebrating a guy's injury, but you obviously are making out like a bandit right now um, with that. Now, moving on here, we do have kind of sticking in the AFC South, Tennessee Titans. Uh, right now, there's a COVID outbreak going on in training camp. Mike Rabel, the head coach, out. Ryan Tannehill, their quarterback, out. Um, there's another, like, seven players, I think, who are out. Now, none of them are really super critical fantasy-wise. I mean, Jeremy McNichols is a backup running back, and even then he might be the number three this year, so it's not, not super relevant because, you know, Derrick Henry is just going to touch the ball as often as possible. So, besides Tannehill, not any huge news in terms of players who are out. However, I do think this affects them. Um, I mean, it's important reps that like Julio is missing right now with Tannehill. Anytime your head coach is out too, I mean, practices are going to be a little bit different. So obviously not great. And it is just a bit of a reminder, like, hey, look, like 
we're not totally through this COVID thing yet. You're seeing it with the Bills too. They're they're dealing with some issues up there in their wide receiver room. Um, so it is just something that we need to be prepared for again. Um, I know last year there was a lot of changes and games being moved around. I, I don't think the NFL is going to do that as much this year. I think there's a little bit more leeway for playing. Um, not with COVID, but they're a little bit looser with the restrictions if you're vaccinated. Um, obviously, if you're unvaccinated, you're going to be dealing with a lot of the same issues you did last year. But, yeah, so it is just important to kind of keep an eye on guys who, if they're vocally, like, not going to get the vaccination, like, the vaccine, and specifically a guy like Kirk Cousins. Now, look, this is not the podcast where we're going to discuss this. Like, hey, we're, we're not getting into that. However... It is something you need to keep in mind with your Vikings receivers. If you're like, hey, I'm in between A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson. I value these guys the exact same. Obviously, A.J. Brown right now isn't a great example since Tannehill has it, but you guys kind of get my point. It's like, you know what? I know that I don't have to deal with, I don't have to worry about his starting quarterback missing time. Obviously, too, like this affects a guy like Adam Thielen, Irv Smith, and Kirk himself. So, Pretty much all of that I'm saying here is just we need to be prepared to pivot and have backup plans in place. Um, I know last year you were seeing guys maybe reaching a little bit earlier to get their backups and handcuffs. Um, I don't think it needs to be as drastic as we were last year, but just something to keep in mind um, is just say, hey, you know what? Let me grab his backup at the end of the at, at ends of drafts. Um, let's see. There was some other big news that happened too. Talking about the vaccine, we had Cam Newton who. Seems like it's also unvaccinated based on how this whole situation happened where he got tested at an unauthorized facility. Now, that's an issue because he had to miss five days of practice. And Mac Jones, it sounds like, has been absolutely tearing it up playing with the ones. He has been practicing against the Giants all week. I follow a lot of Giants beach reporters on Twitter, and it sounds like he's putting on a show. Um, I'm not saying he's going to start week one, but there are reporters who are saying that if it was their guess, they would guess Mac. Do we know yet? No. However, if Mac Jones is named the starter, right now there is a huge value to be had out there in drafts, and that is Jacoby Myers, who last year, if you were paying attention, was very, very solid in the middle to the end of the year. And obviously now with what's going on, like if Cam is out, this is going to be massive for any like regular pass catcher just because they have a guy who they're probably going to be a pass first offense or a little bit more 50 50. Now, when you have cam under center, you know, that team is probably going to be closer to like the Ravens where you're doing like 60, 40 pass to or run to pass. And cam is getting most of the goal line work. Um, obviously Sony Michelle got traded today or earlier this week as well. So now when you combine it and you're like, okay, Sony Michelle's gone. If Mac Jones is starting, you know, A, this is really going to help James White. B, Damian Harris is a much more defined role. C, Ramondre Stevenson might be a guy to keep your eye on later in drafts. Um, but, again, the roles I think now are just going to be a little bit more defined and back to the traditional Patriots way where you see, okay, this is the goal line back, this is the receiving back, this is the first and second down back. So there will be some value, I think, to be had out of the Patriots' backfield if Mac Jones is starting. If Cam is starting, I'll be honest, I think Damian Harris is pretty much the only one who I'm going to want to have on my teams anywhere. And even then, I, I would not feel great about that. 
Um, on the other side, Sony got traded. Sony Michelle got traded over to the Rams. How does this affect Darrell Henderson? I don't know yet. Um, if you were in the camp where you don't think Darrell Henderson was built to handle a big workload, then obviously you think Sony Michelle is going to be a huge part of that offense. If you are on the side that Sony Michelle stinks and is not good, then you're probably thinking this does not affect Darrell Henderson really at all. I think the correct answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, everyone keeps talking about how Sony Michelle went ahead of Nick Chubb in the real draft, and I'm sure the Patriots are well aware of that and probably regret their decision, while at the same time Sony helped carry them to a Super Bowl, so maybe they don't. Um, right now, I, I do think Sony will end up being more valuable on the Rams than he would have been on the Patriots this season. I don't know how many shares I'm really going to have of him, I do think this probably knocks down Darrell Henderson a little bit, who was dealing with a thumb injury earlier in the week, but he seems to be okay now and in, uh, in playing again. So, yeah, I it's a weird, weird thing going on there right now out there, and, and we'll see kind of how everything plays out. So another bit of news is, so we're having a bit of an issue with DeAndre Swift. This is very kind of sneaky, kind of going under the radar. But it sounds like he may not be in shape and ready to go um, season one or week one. Like, I don't know how, why that's the case. He hasn't really been injured. It just sounds like he may not be in game shape, which obviously is not great. I mean, he's a second-year player. If he's out, I mean, Jamal Williams is going to be a smash and will be a guy who you need to be rostering in any and all DFS that you're playing. He is priced extremely low. And they're not going to change the pricing now. All the pricing was set for week one earlier in the offseason. Um, and they don't change it. So a lot of value to be had with Jamal. And honestly, might be a guy who sneaks into some of my rosters anyway, even if Swift is playing, just because we don't know if he's going to be 100% or, or what he's going to be at. But definitely a little bit concerning, something to keep an eye on, and probably why we're seeing him fall a little bit in drafts is that there seems to be a lot of uncertainty there. Um but yeah, and then one final note that I want to talk about. I should have hit on this when we were talking about ETN. But a guy who I love this year, who I think you guys need to get on your radar if you haven't already, is LaVisca Chenault. Now, coming out of the draft, it sounded like ETN was going to be playing that quote-unquote joker role for Urban Meyer in the Jags. Pretty much what that role means is back when he was at Florida, you had Percy Harvin who was taking snaps at running back. He was taking snaps in the slot, and he just touched the ball so often because he is an electric playmaker. You also had, at Ohio State, Curtis Samuel playing the same role. Now, obviously, these guys weren't as successful in the NFL. Percy Harvin due to injuries, and Curtis Samuel just hasn't really put it together yet, but could potentially break out this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. Um, but LaVisca right now, I think, is the one who stands to gain the most outside of James Robinson. Just because, I mean, he fits that mold perfectly. He's a little bit of a bigger wide receiver. He's built a little bit more like a running back. He took snaps at running back in college, jet sweeps, punt returns. He did everything at Colorado. And, I mean, that hasn't changed. He, I, I am really, really excited for LaVisca, and he belongs in that second-year wide receiver tier class that I was talking about with Claypool and Judy, and CeeDee Lamb, as well as Ayuk. I'm not saying I would take LaVisca as high as some of those guys, but just something to keep an eye on and just a name to remember. It's like, oh, hey, maybe let me take him a half a round early, something like that. I would definitely take him over Chark, I think, right now. Chark is out um, till week one. Marvin Jones and Trevor Lawrence have a real connection, and Marvin Jones is a guy who is going to be, again, just a huge value 
right now in drafts and will be in most of my uh, DFS lineups for this week. Um, or sorry, going into week one. So that's it for the show for this week. Um, give us a follow on Twitter. We're at the churn FF. My co-host Joe is at JDFran14. And I am at ConnorBods underscore FF. So yeah, give us a follow. Um, let us know what you think. If there's any value that we may be missing out on or, or any bits of news that, that you think we may have missed on this week, let us know. We'd love to interact with our fans. So please just always, always reach out to us. Um, and yeah, so, uh, as always you set your lineups leagues.